Well, good morning, everybody. All little little guys can head on out if you're ready. I didn't mean you, Steve. Yeah. <laughs> Middle school is here with us. In fact, I was going to say it is awesome to have you guys in here and all you middle schoolers, wherever you are, front row. The youthful, yeah. <laughs> awesome. We're so glad that y'all are in here with us. All right. Well, you know, I uh, before coming to Crested Butte to live, I didn't realize something about the culture that I've learned. And it, it has a lot, well, it has everything to do with how you decide you're going to get down the mountain, like how you cross the snow. Okay, there's this water, social watershed there. You can be on a couple of different sides of that. You can be a skier or you can be a snowboarder. And I just probably need to tell you all, apparently, that I am a snowboarder. Because uh, one of my friends, Sean Kelly, some of you guys know him, he's a, you know, he's a Yankee. Um, and uh, I, I have to say something about him, too. Uh, but... He, we were on mountain bikes one time in the summer, and, and uh, he said, so are you, uh, are you a skier? You know, obviously in priming me to say yes. And I said, no, I'm a snowboarder. And, and here's what he says in his thickest accent. Knuckle dragger, eh? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I, you know, uh, took that. And then once I got here, I was in my office, and I was looking out at Chris Gibson. Some of you know he, he's a skier. And uh, he's... Like, I can see him through the door, and we're talking, and we're just getting to know each other. And he says something about going skiing. And I said, Well, I'm a snowboarder. And, and this is his response. <laughs> yes, that's, that's two. And then Oz. Some of y'all know Oz. Oz has some opinions. <laughs> so he invited me to go up and ski with him one day. So after a few times off the lift where I'm, you know, strapping in and stuff, and he's waiting for me. We're about halfway down, we stop, and we're visiting for a second. He goes, you know, Scott, has it ever occurred to you why God gave you two arms and two legs? <laughs> so I'm, I'm starting to de- de- decipher the fact that there is this, you know, you can go one way or the other. Um, so I think it's important for you to know where I, where I land on that. I, I actually did go out. Chad Olson took me out to, uh, to, to Telemark. I got some Telemark skis. And uh, here's Oz's comment uh, when I told him that. I thought he'd be pleased. He said, um, you know what they say, Scott? Or I can't even do his accent at all. You know what they say, Scott? Uh, Fix the heel, fix the problem. (laughs) (laughs) It's a tough crowd. (laughs) Yeah, so. Um, I'm assuming all of you have opinions about this. I'm real excited about this series that we're in uh, to, where we're talking about who we are as a church. We need to know who we are. You need to know. I don't care what age you are. When you, old, young, I don't care. 
We've got to know what it is we're a part of in this place. And Jim did an incredible job last week of sharing with us the foundation of it all, and that's reconciliation. We are about reconciling man to God, to himself, and to others. We're to play whatever role God has given us in reconciliation. That is the flavor and the theme. That's the backbone of who this church is. So everything is built on that. We can go back to that all the time. That gives us our character, our unique identity. And if you didn't hear that message, it's online. You can go check it out. Um, really thankful for the work that was done to land on that uh, as far as a, as a body goes from our leadership in the past. So we're going to go through now six core values over the next six weeks. And today is one that is really... Uh, very close to my heart, uh, and, and Mark mentioned it when we were getting warmed up here, about, it's about the, the, the value of harvest, and we're going to talk about what that means. But there are six core values, and if you're going to be a part of the church or know about this church, you need to know what they are. So I want you to be prepared for the quiz. Uh, no, I'm kidding. I'm not going to quiz you. But uh, there are, um, it's, it's worship, equipping, service, Harvest, retreat, and recovery. Six things, okay? Now, I'm a little slow. So I have to figure out ways to help me memorize stuff. So the way I did this is I put all those words on a piece of paper and I started trying to figure out how can I make these letters into a word or some phrase or something so that I can remember what our core values are. And it was hard to do. And the, word, the two words I came up with, they don't have any meaning. I mean, they're nice. Can you put that up there, Chris? Uh, the, the words are we share, W-E-S-H-A-R-E. And then there's a little two. Oh, wait, uh, actually that, well, the three is fine. Um, <laughs> three is fine. Uh, so here, here's how, W, worship, E, equipping. You see where I'm going here? Uh, S is share, H-A is harvest. I need that little A to make it all work. Uh, and then R-E, and there's three R-E's. There's recovery, there's retreat, and then the big one underneath is reconciliation. So if that helps you, that's great, or if you make your own, that's great, but we share helps me, and that's actually how I did it in my mind when I just told you what it was just now. So uh, that's, what, that's what this is about. So harvest, we're going to focus in on that one today, and... Uh, Here's the main thing that I want to say. This is the, the thing I want you to walk away with. When, when we as individuals and as a church engage, with lo- engage lost people with the gospel, then the fire of our faith will be renewed. Kind of a long sentence. When we as individuals or as a church engage lost people with the gospel, the fire of our faith will be renewed. That's the main thing I want to say to you. Now, what does it mean to engage lost people with the gospel? That's kind of out there. I don't know how to do that right now. Here's what that means. And we'll see it in the passage we're going to unfold here in a minute. It means that we actively work. Say this kind of slow. We actively work to winningly communicate the gospel message so that many will understand. So to... Engage lost people with the gospel, according to Paul, means that we actively work to winningly communicate the gospel message so that people will hear and understand. 
uh, and let me just, you know, whenever we start talking about the gospel and moving it out into the community and stuff, you get all kinds of different feelings around that. This is not some guilt trip message. I promise you, this is not what this is. I'm, just listen to it and, and don't tune it out. And here's what I want you to do. Uh, as, we're, as we're moving through, I want to ask you to, in your mind, walk up to that place that is your, um, that's the, the, let's call it the campfire of your spiritual life. When you walk up to that, to that campfire, you can just picture it in your mind. You're in the woods. This is your spiritual life. If you walk up and look at that and, and you're honest about it, is it, is it burning? Is it warm? Are the embers dying? Is it cold? Where, where if, and what I'm going to say is if, if it is waning, if, it, if the embers are barely burning, then there's a really good chance that engaging lost people with the gospel is not a priority with you or with me. And I am saying if we make engaging lost people with the gospel a priority, that is the, fi- the fuel that will help that fire to burn, and you will be renewed spiritually. I, I'm telling you, this is true. So as we're going through this, looking at this passage, I just want to encourage you to be thinking, okay, where is that? Am I willing to go to this place where I add engaging lost people with the gospel? And hopefully when we come out on the other side of this morning, you, you might be thinking that you would. So... Uh, we're going to look at 1 Corinthians 9. So if you have scripture in your hand, you can turn there. Uh, otherwise, I'm going to read it to you. We'll put it up here. This is uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 9, 19 through 23. For though I am, this is Paul, obviously speaking to the Corinthian church. For though I am free from all, I have made myself a servant to all, that I might win more of them. To the Jews, I became a Jew in order to win Jews. To those under the law, I became as one under the law. Though not being myself under the law, that I might win those under the law. To those outside the law, I became as one outside the law. Not being outside the law of God, but under the law of Christ. That I might win those outside of the law. To the weak, I became weak, that I might win the weak. I become all things to all people, that by all means I might save some. I do it all for the sake of the gospel that I may share with them in its blessings. All right. Four things I want to pull out of there. Four things you need to know in order to help fuel that fire. Four things. One is you need to, we need to know ourselves. We need to know ourselves, and I'll tell you why in a minute. We need to know the gospel. We need to know the words of it. We need to know lost people. And we need to know how to lose. Know ourselves, know the gospel, know lost people, and know how to lose. So, know ourselves. Uh, Right at the beginning of this passage, before we we actually get to chapter 9, Paul is talking to this Corinthian church. And the Corinthian church is not unlike ours, really. Uh, He is encouraging them to move forward. And he's going through this. If you just were to look at it, it's like topic, 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 topic. He says, I love you guys, but I got to tell you this stuff. And one of the things he says here uh, in 1 Corinthians 3, uh, 1 and 2, he says, But I, brothers, could not address you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh, as infants in Christ. 
I fed you with milk and not solid food because you weren't ready for it. And even now, you're not ready. The thing is, we need to know ourselves because we, we, don't, we don't need to think that we're further along with Christ and in being the church than we really are. We just need to be honest. And even the book, the, book, the letter of, of 1 Corinthians is written to a church to encourage them. I love you guys. You're awesome. But we need to move forward in this space. In one of the spaces is in engaging the, the culture with the gospel. There's something uh, about knowing ourselves that I, uh, probably most of you are aware of, uh, and that is that the aging of a Christian's faith has ironic consequences. We start to develop close friendships in the church that preclude relationships outside the church. And as we grow in our faith, we, be, we tend to become more judgmental of people who don't get us. And as we focus on our building and the things that we're doing, all the good stuff that the church is, then we begin to neglect to create space where people who are lost, who don't know who Jesus is, to engage with Jesus. We, we make space for us to do this. But where is the space where we're engaging the people who aren't, aren't there yet. We spend a lot of time learning about Jesus and about the Bible and all of that, but not near as even a comparable amount of time engaging lost people. It's just a natural process that happens for some reason. And we need to know that about ourselves. If you know your tendency is to sit on the couch and watch TV and you'd rather work out, then get rid of your TV. Okay? You just need to know yourself and move, you need to create the ways to move past that. Uh, here's something that you may not know. The, life, the typical life cycle of a church is 30 years. Most churches last 30 years. They start, and they're excited, they're reaching out, they're teaching, you know, they're, they're involved in the community, and then they begin to age, and they begin to age in their faith, and then pretty soon you hit this turning point. And it's at about 30 years. And this is at 30 years where a church will decide either we're going to make it or we're not going to make it. And I'm, I'm thankful to say, you know how old Obi Joyful is? It's about 30 years old. And the beautiful thing about the leadership at Obi Joyful is they're saying, hey, we're, gonna, we're going to make changes and we're not going to let ourselves uh, move into gentrification. That's exciting. You should be glad that this is a church like that. And I, as someone who's part of the leadership here, need to be thinking, you know, I'm an old guy too. I've got to be looking at the next generation. If you find a vibrant, this is a little test. If you find a vibrant living church, a church that is growing in Christ, you will also find a passion for lost people. If you go and you find a church that is drying up and dying and the embers are burning low, then it is very unlikely that you will find a passion for lost people. It's just a litmus test. So what I'm saying is if, you, if we are engaged with lost people and are engaging them in the gospel, what's the natural consequence of that? The flame of the fire of our relationship. With, if, you're, if you're bored with your relationship with Christ, this is the question you should ask yourself. And I know some of you are, just to be honest. I know I'll get there too myself. So, where are you in terms of maturing in your Christian faith? Are you on that uh, 
in that place where we begin to need Paul to write to us? Or are you engaging lost people? All right, so the first thing is that we know who we are. The second thing is that we know the gospel. And Paul says uh, in verse 23, he says, I do all of the things that I do. I do everything for the sake of the gospel that I might share with those people who I'm bringing into, the, into know Jesus in its blessings. So Paul obviously knows what the gospel is, right? He knows what it means. Now, if you're a believer in here, which a lot of you are, some of you aren't, and that's fine, but if you, if you are, then you had to know what the gospel was to actually get there. The only thing is with believers, it's kind of funny. It's kind of jumbled in our minds sometimes, you know? And we're like, if somebody just asked me, what's the gospel? Tell me right now. You might go, oh, well, it's, it's this, and it's these things over here, and it's that, you know? And we have a hard time putting it together. So I just want to give you the gospel in four words. God, sin, Jesus, belief, okay? And when you put those first letters together, it doesn't really work. I tried. Okay, so you just, you know, God, God, sin, Jesus, belief. It's different when you turn it this way. God, sin, Jesus, belief. Okay, so uh, there is a holy and good and loving creator who made us to be in relationship with him. Man chose to break that relationship in rebellion and sin and turn away from God. That relationship was ruined. Only, that's sin, only to be healed by the sacrifice of someone who would take all of the guilt for the destruction of that relationship, and that is Jesus. God, sin, Jesus, and the, that thing that he did for us is a gift. It cannot be earned. You cannot do anything. There's nothing you can do. You cannot be good enough, go to enough church services, reach out to enough people, learn the Bible enough, whatever, to step across that line into a relationship with him, except by belief. Belief is it. That's it. That is the receiving of the gift. So if, you're, if somebody says, okay, what's the gospel? Just tell me. I don't know what it is. It's just these four words. And you can enter into it with them in any of those places. God, sin, Jesus, belief. Okay, got it? Now you know the gospel. That's what the message is. It's the, those are the, what I call the words of the gospel. There's a whole lot more behind it and how it happened, what God was doing in this grand plan of redemption of mankind. But if you just boil it down to the most basic stuff, that's it. And it is the heart of God. The gospel is the heart of God. And the closer we get to the heart of God, the more that the embers of our fire of faith will grow. So we need to know ourselves and we need to know the gospel if we are going to engage lost people with it. Okay, and then thirdly, we need to know lost people. Now that's really not a problem in Crested Butte, is it? <laughs> what, and what do I mean by lost people? That, I, don't, I don't want that to come across negative. It may be like a church word. Like, you know, when we sing about the blood of Christ, if we, have, you know, when a non-believer, like, never exposed to the church comes in and we sing about the blood of Christ, that sounds weird. Let's be honest. I'm going to be covered in the blood of Christ? Come, come on. But, <laughs> really, um, it's okay, you can laugh. It's okay to laugh about that. It's, un- it's, it's uncomfortable for, for people, but... This is one of those words, too. When I say something about lost, I wouldn't go to a friend of mine who I'm talking in the coffee shop to or on the ski lift with. I wouldn't say, well, you know, you're lost. I might say that. But what I like to say is something like, um, is saying something like uh, it just seems to me that you haven't come to the point of crossing a line of faith. 
So I'm saying lost is like a technical term for us church nerds in here today. But what I mean is you haven't, someone hasn't crossed the line of faith. There's this place where you believe and you move across into a relationship with Christ. So this is a lost person, someone who hasn't stepped across that line of faith. And it's cool for me personally because if I say, all right, Suzette has, has not quite crossed the line of faith. I think you have, but if you hadn't, um, you might be really close. You know, you're right on the edge. And there's just a few things I might, I might not have to prove to you that there is a God. But then Neil might be someone who's way, way over here. He doesn't believe there's a God or he says he doesn't. And so I can have this kind of continuum where I say, all right, over here is this line of faith. And I know Suzette's right here and I know Neil's over here. And I'm going to encourage her in a certain way. And I'm going to speak to Neil in a certain way. So if, if Neil's like a, you know, a, a local here and he's into all the different stuff that's going on in town... I'm not going to pull up with my Christian bumper sticker and my Christian shirt, right? That's dumb. What I'm going to do is come to him with an interaction and conversation. I'm going to live my life in Christ before him and speak honestly to him about why I think things are messed up, like Tyler was just saying. And I don't have to convince Suzette of all that stuff. She's right on the line. Okay, so that's why I say the line of faith. That's what lost people are. So now here, here's the deal with Paul, though. He picks specific lost people. He says, I'm going to reach out to Jews, to Gentiles, or uh, uh, outsiders. He calls it outsiders, and he calls it weak people. So he's got these three groups that he's going to reach out to. The, the Jews are people that he totally identifies with. He knows all about them. He knows their background. He totally gets it, but he's now a Christian. So that's one group he's going to reach out to. The other one's a lot less comfortable, and that's the people who don't have anything to do with his history. It's all new to them, outsiders. And then he calls this group, this one group, the weak. And uh, weak, he's, he's describing something that he's referenced earlier. And that's people who really have a lot of questions, easily distracted, uh, just kind of a, a subgroup that he's a, a addressing right there. But for us, I think it makes sense to talk more about the first two, that there are people that you really get along with, understand, interact with, and there are people who are out there, and it's really uncomfortable. And you know, to be quite honest, when we engage with people who are lost, if you're a believer and you really get in there with them, it can get really tiring. It can be pretty hard. You know, because they're talking about stuff you don't want to talk about. They're um, doing things that you can't, you can't go to a lot of things that they're doing. You know, they say, hey, let's go Friday night. Let's go do this and that. Sometimes that's not the best place to be. And it gets tiring and, and, and wears you down. But the, uh, the thing about it is um, that... Jesus gives us an example, and it's one of our core values, and that's retreat. And it's okay when you're engaging with lost people, if it gets hard, to step back and say, I need some time to get away. Jesus himself, you know, you see him up on the mountain, up on the mountain, up on the mountain. He goes again and again and again. He's going to get away, recharge with God, and then go back. That's okay. No, we're getting there, but thank you. I probably should have put that point in the losing point part, but I didn't. So if you are engaging people with the gospel, that means we need to know ourselves. We need to know the gospel. We need to know lost people. We also need to know what to lose. Several times in this passage, and if you were to look through it and just circle them, you would see that this is, this is a place where Paul says, um, I'm doing this to win, to win, to win. It comes up time and time again. He wants to be winning about his communication of the gospel to these people. 
But Paul, he says right at the beginning, he says, um, he says, I'm going to lose my rights. The first thing he's going to lose is his rights. For, in, in verse 19, it says, For though I am free from all, I have made myself a servant to all, that I might win more of them. Uh, using the word servant, or in some versions it says slave, it's the same word. He's teaching the church, remember, and when the church leaders, and when he says, I make myself a slave to lost people, to people, that was something that would have been really uncomfortable because there really were slaves in their community, right? We don't have slaves right here with us at home. But these people would have been shocked by that, would have kind of stuck to them, stuck in their in their stomach, I think. And, and when I, if someone were to say to me, you, Scott, need to be a slave, an absolute servant to people to help engage them with the gospel, I'm not sure how I feel about that. I mean, but he is giving us a tip. He's saying, if you really want to engage people, you need to serve them. He's saying, uh, he's basically saying, there is nothing that I will not do, almost nothing I will not do to engage lost people with the gospel. Almost no extent that I will avoid. Say that right? He will do almost anything. But in that process, y'all, it's really important to say that, especially to you guys that are younger, uh, who haven't maybe had a chance to make all the decisions you're going to make, he doesn't lose his character in the process. You probably noticed this passage in there. It's uh, in verse 21. It says, To those outside the law, I became like them. Not being myself outside the law, but under the law of Christ. He's saying, yeah, I do everything I can to reach them. I'm a servant to them, but I don't actually go to the point of changing who I am to reach them. So here's, the, here's, the, uh, here's how I, in all of you guys, if you live in Crested Butte, you're in, a, you're in a place somewhere where you're engaging with lost people where you have to make this decision. Who's going to influence who here? And once you're being influenced, once you know and I know that I'm being influenced more than I'm influencing or even standing uh, stable, then it's time to back up and retreat a little bit. And that's, but you've got to actually get in that space and engage and push the edges. Like Paul's clearly pushing the edges. This guy's radical. I mean, I wish I had his passion. He's, he's basically just fearless. And so he, and he's an influencer, but we're not all of that. We're not all like Paul. We just need to recognize that this engagement with lost people is critical to who we are. We have to find out how to do it ourselves when the influence of the other people begins to weight you down and take you out spiritually and, and quench the fire of your, of your spiritual life. It's time to back up. Okay, here's okay, a couple more things, I promise. I'm almost done. I'm super stoked about this kind of topic, you can probably tell. So, uh, you know, apologize if you're getting really tired of listening to me. Uh, but a couple of things. Here's the thing. We need to lose the stress of closing the deal. This is super critical, you guys. I'll probably say this countless more times over the years. Lose the stress of closing the deal. A lot of us as Christians have thought, well, um, I've got to actually introduce Suzette to Christ and I've got to tell her what it means and I've got to make sure that she becomes a Christian and if that doesn't happen, then I'm a failure. I didn't do it right. Well, th- that's not what is, is happening here. Look at verse 22, the back half of it. It says, I become all things to all people that by all means I might save some. Do you see the two words there that are pretty important at the end? All things but might and some. 
Earlier in this chapter, Paul says, you know what? I planted, I think he said this way, I planted Apollos watered, that's another Christian leader, and God was the one that pulled these people into a relationship with him. It wasn't me that finished the deal. I didn't do it. I was just a part of it. So, just take a deep breath if you're feeling the pressure and forget the pressure of closing the deal. Instead, this is how I like to think of it, be a link in the chain. No one in here who has become a Christian did it like somebody walked up to him, told him the gospel, never heard that before. Okay, I'm believing it right now. I mean, that, maybe you did, but that's a very rare person. It's a process that happens over time. The seeds get planted. God is working. Another person says something. They hear something. They read something. Whatever happens, eventually God closes the deal. We don't have to do that. But be a link in the chain. Be a part of the process. So see yourself as that person. Do all that you can in that space. Okay, one more thing about that. About losing, knowing what to lose. Uh, we need to lose the pride of, of thinking that we can mess it up. Let me tell you what that means. That, see, I, I used to really, and I still, honestly, I still feel this sometimes. I think if I say anything, I'm going to mess it up, Right? Here we are, the situation's come up. They've asked me about Jesus. They've asked me about my church or something. I have a great opportunity. It's a segue to talk. And then I'm like, well, what if they ask me about evolution or something, I don't know, super hard or something I don't know anything about in the Bible, some extra hard question. And I think, well, I better not say anything because I might mess this up. Well, do you think that if God wants someone to be in a relationship with him that you can mess it up? Come on. Who made, who gave you those big boy pants? <laughs> you know? If I cannot prevent God from bringing someone to a relationship with him, I cannot do it. So to stop, I got to stop thinking that I'm that big and just realize, hey, I may not know the answer. I do not, I cannot explain to you everything about evolution or creation. I can't tell you about why there's evil in the world. All I can tell you is that I've seen the scripture and I've seen Jesus work. And you can take that or leave it. It's between you and God. It's not between us. But here, here it is. God loves us. He made us. He wants us to be with him, but we rebel. You know what I'm talking about because he's seen sin in the world. He gave us Jesus to fix it. Now it's your, cho- it's your choice to believe. Put it in their hands. So lose the pride of that. So when we engage people with the gospel, we need to know ourselves. We need to know It's coming to me. <laughs> we, need to, we need to know ourselves, know the gospel, know lost people, and we need to know when to lose and know what, know what to lose. And, and let me close with this. this. I read this passage earlier. Um, it's verse 23. I do all of this, all of the things that I'm doing, everything I'm writing you, everything in my life, Paul says, for the sake of the gospel, that I may share with them in its blessings. And I loved how Mark said it earlier. He said the harvest was a time of celebration a time of joy. Um, it was a, uh, uh, and Paul says it here and there's other places in the scripture, it is a place where we share the blessings within the church and outside of the church of people coming to know Jesus. That is an awesome thing because it is a change of life forever. And it's one of our core values, harvest. And so when you, this afternoon, when you get some time alone this week um, and you step up to that fire, you, and I'll do the same thing. Ask yourself, 
where, what is the status of that fire? And what I'm telling you is, if you want to see it move forward, if you want to grow that fire, if you want to enjoy the relationship you have with Jesus, then one thing that might be missing is engaging lost people with the gospel. So let me pray for us, and then we will head out into a beautiful day. Lord, uh, I know that this message lands differently for every single person in here. And uh, it's not an easy one where um, I'm just reading something, I think easy, I guess, about, you know, hey, read your Bible. Um, This requires some engagement with people that uh, we may not be comfortable with or in a space that we may feel like we might mess up. We got to pray that you will just uh, let us enjoy the process of talking to people about you um, and about your son and what you've done. And God, I pray, I know in all of our, in all of our hearts is, is a desire to be close to your heart. And I pray that we would, Lord, be in a, um, a place where we're willing to add to us, if, we're, if we are um, weak here, that passion for lost people and engage our community and our friends in your gospel. Lord, because that is so close to your heart, let us be a part of that. Lord, let this week uh, be one that this church celebrates the harvest, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, y'all have a great week. We'll see you again soon. Hey, thanks for sitting on the front row, ladies.